The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and doctor of internal medicine, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-890-9783. And of course, this week we are taking your phone calls as we do every week. Uh, afternoon, I'm Dave Alexander. 919-860-9783 is the telephone number. Dr. Franklin Weefold in the studio. How are you doing, doctor? The doctor is in. Yeah. We're going to talk about blood pressure. A, am going to consider it sort of a redneck workaround for the fact hey, that these, there is no artificial <laughs> pancreas. These are not rednecks. Diabetic insulin pumps being reworked into... Artificial pancreas. Artificial pancreas. Do-it-yourself pancreases. All right. And also a common drug that may help prevent heart failure. My suggestion is that people will be signing up for this. I guess. That particular drug. It's a drug commonly associated with taking a bath outside with your significant other in another bathtub. And I never understood yes. that commercial. No, and neither do I. How never. do they get back in the cabana right. without embarrassing themselves? Oh, well. Anyway. Right. So let's talk about blood pressure. Yeah, I think that one of the things that people don't realize is there are reversible causes to high blood pressure, which means you don't have to take medications if you have these causes. The most common are other medications. Yeah. Okay. And we could go into a slew of them, but the most common are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents, okay. massive uses. Motrin, um, which is ibuprofen, Aleve. Yeah. These medicines actually in certain people can make you hold on to salt. And when you hold on to salt in your kidney, the volume in your uh, arteries and veins expands and you get high blood pressure. So... It's important that you tell your doctor, if you are in the office and your blood pressure's up and they've checked it a few times, make sure you tell them that you take these medicines. Because one of the ways to avoid getting stuck on a lifetime medicine uh, for blood pressure, like I'm on, um, is to stop using them. And that can be hard. It's funny because high blood pressure is the kind of thing that we don't even think about I assumed it was its own disease. Well, you know, the thing is, so many different ways to attack high blood pressure means that it's a very complicated illness. It's not one thing. Another medicine we commonly take are decongestants or multi-symptom cold medicines. They contain either phenylephrine or um, ephedrine. And Sudafed is the the classic. And what they do is they constrict the little tiny arteries in your nasal passages. And when they constrict those arteries, they're called alpha agonists. That means the alpha receptor, which is this little protein in your arteries. And Mm -hmm. once it's stimulated, it constricts. And how does that solve your sniffles? Because if you can't get blood flow to the nasal passages, you're not going to excrete the mucus. So you take a Sudafed, and the arteries, the little tiny ones in the nose constrict, and the mucus goes away. Unfortunately, some people are very sensitive to that constriction, mm-hmm. and their big arteries constrict, and their blood pressure goes up. I've had so many patients who 
are hypertensive to begin with, and it makes it much worse. And they don't really know. So if you're taking something for allergies, Claritin-D. It's the D that does it, not the Claritin. And I'm going to just use that as an example. I'm not yeah. endorsing Claritin. Yeah. But if you have high blood pressure, stay away from the Ds. And if you are, are diagnosed with high blood pressure, make sure you tell your doctor <clears throat> if you're taking these. Right. Because the Claritin by itself won't do it, but the Claritin-D, the decongestant, will do it. Will raise the blood pressure? Oh, yeah. I've seen somebody come in very scared. Dr. Weefald, I went to my dentist. And right. it was 190 over 100. For those you don't know, 120 over 80. And they thought I was just nervous. I bought a machine. It right. was 180 over 100. And so you go over what they take. And they, at first they won't tell you because they don't think it's important. But then always, 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 if you're a physician, we always ask, are you taking anything over the counter? And right. so the, the ibuprofen can be a cause and these decongestants. Now, Corticosteroids. So suppose you have uh, a rash and your doctor gives you prednisone or or Medrol. That can temporarily lead to um, high blood pressure, again, by making your body absorb more sodium. And if you're already hypertensive and they give you some steroids, you know, I I give them all the time, bronchitis, wheezing, Mm -hmm. it can raise your blood pressure. Um, Now, let's go into some other unusual causes, but I tell you, they're not... They're rare, but not unheard of. Mm -hmm. I have several patients who came to me. Um, I'm sort of a doctor of last resort where people are being told nothing you can do for you, and they come to me. So I had a lady, and there were telltale clues. She was experiencing rapid heartbeats intermittently. She had some vague abdominal discomfort, and her blood pressure sometimes would be 140 over 80. Yeah. But sometimes with these really rapid heartbeats, it'd spike up to 210 over 120. So mm-hmm. I was thinking of this very rare thing called a pheochromocytoma. And what that does is it's a usually a non-cancerous tumor of the adrenal gland. It sits on top of the kidney and produces adrenaline for when you need it. Like if there's a tiger coming and it's going right. to bite you. Right. Fight or flight adrenaline. We want that. Generally with a tiger, you don't fight. It's too late. It's too late. But anyway, so these tumors produce a fight or flight response all the time. And the way you diagnose this is you give them a can or a bottle, and they go home and collect their urine for 24 hours, and you measure how much the adrenaline is in the urine. And the treatment of choice is surgery in these situations. And so you get an MRI, you find it, you send him to a, an endocrine surgeon. It's a very difficult surgery because mm-hmm. as you, you just imagine, take that thing out and all the adrenaline comes out, your body could you know, react badly to that. Yeah. So one of the things we look at, especially in those who claim they're flushed or mm-hmm. whose hearts beat rapidly associated with high blood pressure is a pheochromocytoma. Now something more common, it's a thyroid disorder. So if your thyroid gland is overproducing thyroid hormone, your blood pressures can go up in response to that. Very simple test. A thyroid test in the blood can tell you. Um, Usually you have other symptoms, also rapid heart beating, um, but that can happen. Now, I think one of the more common things that I see, because I see a lot of people with cholesterol buildup in their arteries. Right. Arteries to the brain, excuse me, arteries to the heart, but also arteries to the kidney. Your kidney needs blood flow. In fact, that's what the kidney does. It takes a large amount of your blood per heartbeat, runs it through a filter, takes out poisons, recollects sodium, adjusts the blood volume, and then puts it back into the bloodstream. Well, when the kidney has an arterial blockage, uh, cholesterol buildup, just like you get in the heart, 
it will think that you're dehydrated because there's not enough blood going. So mm-hmm. it excretes hormones to constrict the arteries, to hold on to salt, all the things that your body would want to do if you were bleeding to death. Right. And it can cause severe hypertension. Now, the clue is in people who have a history of vascular disease. So they have had a stent or they've had a, you know, a surgery to their carotid arteries. And all of a sudden, whereas their blood pressure had been well controlled, it suddenly spikes up. And there's an easy test. It's a CAT scan. You can find out. Mm-hmm. And we usually don't fix it unless both arteries are clogged. There's a great medicine called an ACE ACE inhibitor. Lisinopril is a prime one. Mm-hmm. Vasotec. If you have only one artery blocked, that seems to be the best medicine because of the way it adjusts the hormones. So something to think about if you're, if you're elderly or even if you're not elderly and you've had vascular disorders in your body. So you've had cholesterol build up in the heart or the arteries to the brain and suddenly your blood pressure is out of control. It's usually a sign that we need to look for these things. It's called renal artery stenosis. What do doctors think when they, I mean, you've mentioned some, probably some uh, narrow focused possible reasons that the blood pressure is up. Sure. What do the doctors usually think when well, they, when they see me coming in? Oh, yeah. They say, well, he's too heavy. Well, let me tell you, we're just getting to the next one. Yeah. And that's obstructive sleep apnea. So oh. don't realize it. But when you can't breathe at night mm-hmm. because you have sleep apnea and the oxygen is not getting in, your body reacts. And the way you stay awake during the day is through adrenaline. Um, it's stimulating your brain cells yeah. to function more and to try to keep you awake. Um, it's how coffee works. The caffeine stimulates your body. Good thing. And so your blood pressure can be really elevated and you can get rapid heart beating called atrial fibrillation. I think um, obstructive sleep apnea is one of our more serious health problems because we're seeing obesity. And, mm-hmm. um, and also because um, people just aren't taking care of their sleep hygiene. and sinus congestion especially. So there's one more, and that's something called hyperaldosteronism. You can diagnose that with a blood test, potassium being high. Can we talk about that in just a moment? I'll let you interrupt me this one time. We'll do that. Blood pressure on the uh, the board here, but you can call us up and ask about whatever you want to, whether it's about blood pressure or not, at 919- 8609783 Heart Health on News Radio 680 WPTF. Now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefald on News Radio 680 WPTF. Where the telephone number is and shall always be taped to the wall, thank goodness, across the room. 919-860-9783. 860-WPTF. It is, exactly. Absolutely. So you were getting to the last yeah, idea it's, it's about... actually probably the most rare. It's yeah. when the adrenal gland secretes something called aldosterone. And a lot of times, if you that's why we get blood tests. Number one, we want to see how mm-hmm. the kidney function is through a simple blood test, but also the potassium. When it's high, that's a sign that, that the aldosterone, which exchanges sodium for potassium, mm-hmm. is malfunctioning. And so those are the major things that your doctor will look at by far and away. Uh, the vast majority of people have what we call essential hypertension. We don't know really why they have it, but they have it. And it's so great that medicines work so well. I mean, I can remember, um, this is how old I am. We had only a few medications, maybe five or six. Now there's probably 30. Right. And they're being repurposed. 
You know, and that I think is another thing we're going to talk about is the repurposing of medications. That's it. and we're going to go to David in Apex right now. David, welcome to News Radio six eighty WPTF and Heart Health. Hi, David. Thank, thank you very much. Hey, um, I would like to ask um, how many times if 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 you're having a problem with with AFib, um, how many times do you? Uh, uh, go with a cardiovert uh, before you kick that out and go with the ablation? Boy, that is a great question. A great question. Uh, back in the day, what we used to do is put people on warfarin, a rat poison, to keep you from having a clot. And then we'd put you maybe on a beta blocker to slow your heart rate down, and then we'd give you a zap. And you should say that about 50% would respond to that. It was my experience that if you corrected it, it was going to come back. So then we had other medications, amiodarone, sodalol, other things, flaconide. And then we tried again. And we'd hook you up to jumper cables and basically sedate you. And I, do you ever see on TV where they rub them together? Yeah, and yeah, yeah Don't every show. do that. Don't do that. You can cause a mess. But nowadays, it's these little pads <laughs> they put you on you. What do you mean? If you rub them together, it'll, it'll, it could blow up. Well, not blow up, but that gel flies everywhere, and oh, you get okay. it on the nurse, and she's not happy. Anyway, <laughs> nowadays, they put these pads on you yeah. and, and push a button, and you're asleep. And the body doesn't leap up in the air, but you know it, it's kind of fun to think about it. But anyway, <laughs> we really don't cardiovert that much anymore. Unless cardiovert is what? Cardiovert is when you, you take an electrical charge, yeah. and you time it to the EKG. Right. And basically what you're doing is you're making the heart forget that there's atrial fibrillation. You're sort of cleaning the slate, wiping off the chalk. Right. And then waiting for the heart to come back. And sometimes you have to give five or six shocks. Okay. And usually one or two does it. And then you you know put on a medicine to try to prevent the electricity from going abnormally. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't work that much. And I think nowadays... People are seeing that going straight to an atrial fibrillation ablation is much more common now um, because it works and because it uh, prevents the heart from deteriorating over time. Mm -hmm. Um, I generally like to put somebody on a medication first. I've seen maybe 20 to 30% will convert on their own on a medication. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to my buddies who are electricians, uh, Pavlo Trebko of Kerry Cardiology is a prime example. He's a great guy. Yeah. And the success with atrial fibrillation and ablation, ablation means that you actually take an electricity current from a little tube, insert it up into the heart, and you find out where the abnormal electricity from atrial fibrillation is coming from, and you zap it. You make little burns mm-hmm. and prevent it from happening again. Um, it's gotten to the point now where it's 95% effective. Uh, sometimes you have to go do it again. But a cardioversion can work. There's a, a medicine out called Tikosin, T-I-K-O-S-Y-N. We generally use that in individuals who don't want to be ablated, who don't, or too old, perhaps, to mm-hmm. go through the procedure. It works fairly well. You put somebody in the hospital because there can be side effects from the Tikosin. Give it to well, them. Now, for what, what is too old? Too old? In my opinion, nobody's too old. But there are certain individuals who, um, I, I'm you know, guessing maybe, maybe, I, I'm not, I, maybe I'm using the word old. You're ge- not old chronologically, but yep. old biologically. My guess okay. is you want yeah. your patients to grow as old as possible. Right. But, right. you know, if somebody has really bad lungs and yeah. heart failure and things like that. So I've had plenty of people, Dr. Netrebko has put in the hospital, put on Tikosin and then cardioverted them. 
And the medicine, Tikasin, seems to work a lot better in holding you. Now, let's go back to Dave. What's your situation? Have you been cardioverted? Have you been ablated? Uh, I've been cardioverted once. Once. Um, How you doing? Well, I was doing fine for two days. Uh-oh. <laughs> the old two <laughs> and days and back, back to fib. Yeah. Yeah, I think what they did after the cardiovert, um, the medication that I was on, uh, they cut it back too far. What was your medication? Um, I, I, I can't think of the name of it right That's now. okay. Was it a beta blocker, metoprolol? Was it sodalol? Was it yeah. sodalol? Yeah. yeah. So they, uh, uh, I, because it was on a Friday and you don't see, normally see a doctor in case of an emergency unless it's on Saturday and Sunday. Come on uh, now. I used to be in that hospital at 5 a.m. Saturday to 11 p.m. <laughs> Sunday. So, But uh, uh, I increased the medication myself uh-huh. back up uh, by about half again. Yeah. And um, that helped a lot. And uh, actually, in about three days... You went back uh, to normal. It rhythm. went back. Yeah. So I was okay for a little while, and then it and then it went away again, yeah. and they ended up doubling my uh, medication. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, until I could get in there and have the cardiovert done. Right. And um, after the cardiovert was done, like I say, they, they cut back on my medication too much, and I did, it didn't last but two days. Right. Uh, but as of right now, uh, everything's evened out. And you feel pretty um, good. And we'll, we're just we're going to see how long that lasts. Was your fibrillation very rapid? Were you feeling your heart pounding, or were you short of breath? What was the symptoms when when um, you were in AFib? Well, I could you know I could feel it. Um, it's interesting. A lot of people I'm, don't know; yeah, they can't know. feel it at all. Um, I've got a uh, I've got a uh, program on my cell phone that will, uh-huh. that will show that. Sure. And uh, I don't have it where I can get to it, but that's uh, all right. Uh, have they have they talked you know, about doing an ablation on you? Uh, yeah, we've talked about it. But, yeah, uh, you sound healthy. Serious. You sound young. Yeah, you know. Well, let me let but, me just tell you the advantages of an ablation. If you go back into rhythm, out of rhythm again, if you go back uh-huh. out of rhythm again, I think I would consider it. Um, it okay. sounds like a huge deal, um, and it is. It's four or five hours uh, lying yeah. on your back, partially sedated, with people in your groin. Um, going up through those blood vessels up into your heart. Right. It works really well, though. And and the, the nice thing about it is um, we do recommend you stay on a blood thinner basically the rest of your life. Um, I hate yeah. to call them blood thinners. Anticoagulant makes, right. yeah. makes it much less likely for you to form a clot. But well, the I, nice I've, thing about I've, it is uh, you, you feel good. My, my, uh, uh, my partner is a uh, uh, recently retired CRNA. Oh great! And um, so, and she told me. She said, "Well, if it goes out again, you're going to be ablated." And <laughs> well, you know, that's like, really up to you, isn't it? Oh yeah, I understand. I'm kidding. I understand. I'm and kidding. I don't have a uh, I don't have a problem with her medical advice whatsoever. Yeah, I've been taking it for years. <laughs> she's been she's been right on top of it. Yep. But uh, and and one other question, if you don't sure, I listen. Ask away. Um, and this is still a course still about the heart mm-hmm. um this new little gadget that they've got that they insert in your heart in that little protrusion finger size protrusion right the atrial okay. appendage yeah in the upper left right it's called the watchman device 
Yeah. What is uh, what what is the latest okay. on that thing? The the problem with AFib is that when the blood is not flowing because the upper chamber is fibrillating or, or beating right. irregularly, clots can form. Now I've had six patients get the Watchman. It's a little sieve, very fine mesh sieve, and they yeah. insert it into that little floppy appendage. You know how the heart looks like a heart? Well, those mm-hmm. two things on top represent the yeah. appendages. And so you put that thing in, and basically it shuts out the appendage so you can't form clots anymore. And I've had some people who could not take an anticoagulant for whatever reason. The Watchman's a great device, um, but it's really particularly for people who can't take the anticoagulant. And it works very, very well. Okay. I went uh, went to a seminar over at uh, Rex uh, last week uh, that that was discussed in that seminar. Yeah, the Watchman. David, yes. thank you very much for calling Great in. Great questions. Call us back anytime. And good All luck right. with your atrial fibrillation. All right. Take care. Uh, we are halfway through the program. This is Heart are Health. Are you kidding me? On WPTF. Oh, back to Heart Health with Dr. Fold on News Radio 680 WF. That song, oddly enough, is my uh, ringtone. Really? For alarms. Yeah. When I hear that, I say, well, it's time to be on the radio. Time to be on the radio show. <laughs> 919-860-9783. Dave Alexander, along with Dr. Franklin Weefold, and we promised to talk about this insulin pump. We're also going to talk about a common drug that may help prevent heart failure. Could yeah. we could we get to that topic before I have heart failure? Yes. Okay, thank you. All right, so the insulin pump deal, <laughs> people with type 1 diabetes, mm-hmm. they need to have insulin constantly. And one of the great advances were these pumps, mm-hmm. which you store insulin in the pump, you put a little needle into the, the belly fat, mm-hmm. and then you can push a button and it delivers the precise amount of insulin that you need. Right. And there's a continuous delivery, just like in the body, a continuous delivery of insulin, keeping that sugar regulated. Then when you ate, mm-hmm. you could calculate the carbohydrates that were gonna be needed to be brought back down when they turned into sugar. And you could increase the rate of the pump, but it involved um, a fairly complicated um, set of rules and mathematic calculations, right. certain number of carbohydrates, certain amount of insulin, and mm-hmm. it was all regulated to your body. Well, Medtronic made a pump that had a security flaw. You know how all these, yeah. these things now, these, these uh, pacemakers and defibrillators that communicate to each other, well, they have this really incredible security program. Well, the Medtronic pump was found to have a flaw. You could hack into the pump. So now they have these continuous glucose monitors. You stick them under the skin. They sit on your arm. Right. The, the Libra, L-I-B-R-E, uh, right. is one of them. And that can go to your phone. So people thought, wait a minute. Let's get these glucose monitors to communicate to my Medtronic faulty insulin pump you that has a security flaw. Had to buy the old one. Well, that's the whole point. They don't make them anymore. Right. So a group of programmers who also had type 1 diabetes all got together and they created this thing and it's called looping, L-O-O-P-I-N-G. And the looping means that you're continuously looping from your monitor Mm -hmm. to the computer to your flawed insulin pump that they hacked into back to the glucose monitor. And it now serves as the holy grail of diabetes, the artificial pancreas. And the interesting thing about it is it's taken off and it's become um, this uh, viral phenomenon. 
The problem is they don't make this pump anymore. So these guys are like looking on eBay, on Etsy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the, some of the other uh, Craigslist? Craigslist, yeah. And they're going for about a thousand bucks a piece. Um, some people are trying to rip people off and charge many, much more. Well, then what you've got to do is find these pumps. Then you've got to get onto this this hacking colloquia and yeah. download the software. I'm I'm right and, here now. Right. I have it on my yeah. computer screen. And, and I think it's wonderful. Now, why did this have to happen? Why couldn't we have developed the artificial pancreas through, you know, the Medtronic company itself? And believe right. me, they've been working on this for years. Sure. And what I think is so great about this is that some hackers have have discovered this flaw in this insulin pump that allows it to be hacked. Yeah. And they figured out the software all on their own. Now, right. the nice thing about it is it's not regulated because they're not selling it. Yeah. I mean, you have to contribute to the colloquia so that everybody you know who's working on this can can get this thing done. But there's no profit involved. So the FDA isn't regulating it. Now, who's to say there might not be a new law or a new rule to regulate this? But they're nowhere near ready for the artificial pancreas to be submitted to the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. And I think the reason why is it's going to take a billion dollars to have all the studies done right. that need to be done in order for the FDA to take the risk. I mean, what if, like, you know, the Tesla drives the auto- autopilot, drives somebody into a brick wall? Yeah. Well, what if this is misprogrammed and somebody's sugar goes to zero by mistake? And, you know, who's going to be to blame for that? And zero well, is extraordinarily bad. Right. For sugar. Right. Right. Or 350. Yeah. The alternative. Yeah. So, and the nice, they've also developed now, instead of you having to calculate the carbohydrates, this is called an algorithm. Yeah. Artificial intelligence, et cetera. Some of these people now can talk into their microphone, into their cell phone and say, I'm having a Whopper. Mm. <laughs> it calculates yeah. Whopper units and feeds that into the pump, and it right. gives you the right amount of insulin. So I think this is a great discovery, and, mm-hmm. and I think it also tells us what the future of medicine is, is perhaps going to be. It's do-it-yourself medicine. Wow. Instead of waiting for the FDA and you know big pharma and, yeah. and, and big device companies to go through this rigmarole of of pleasing the Food and Drug Administration. And, and they have to pay a lot to make these, you know bring these things costs? to market. Do you know how much it costs? No. A, a, a single drug, a single pill, a billion dollars. A billion dollars to yeah. bring it to market. Because once something, let me tell you, I was involved in drug research for a long time. Yeah. And the diabetes medications, some of them were thought to have been shown to increase the risk of a heart attack. So every single diabetes medicine that was going to come to market had to have a huge study yeah. to prove that it didn't cause wow. um, heart attacks. And now the great thing is some of those studies have shown that it lowers the risk of a heart attack. So that's a good thing, too. Right. Now, I'm not saying the Food and Drug Administration shouldn't be strict. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be um, careful in regulating how these drugs and devices are brought to market. But I think you can go overboard. And I think the fear of who's going to get blamed if there's a problem. Mm -hmm. What I think is great is that these do-it-yourselfers, these loopers, these guys and Mm -hmm. women who decided that they're going to take matters into their own hands and they had the smarts, and they did it. The problem is, is that 
They don't make enough of these pumps. In fact, they're not making them anymore. And, and nobody is going to manufacture another pump. That has the flaw. With the flaw, right. Right. And it, these, these programs are so tightly controlled, and you can't hack into them now. And so it's only <laughs> the one that had the hackable security flaw, right. and you can't find them. I think most of the pumps have been found, and these are the ones yeah. that were you know, abandoned five years ago. The great thing, this guy who is involved now, he's one of these professors, and mm-hmm. he wanted one. Yeah, and he searched all over, and he found a kitty version. Yeah, you know they made version. them for these nine, ten year olds. Sure. So he has a purple one <laughs> that's got a squishy cover on the outside. So he walks around with a a purple squishy insulin Medtronic insulin pump, yeah. and his sugars are under control. All right, you're listening to Dr. Franklin Weefall, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist with Millennia Cardiovascular. And you're listening to the program called Heart Health. If you have a smartphone, would you take some time right now and program in an alarm for Saturdays at 4 o'clock? Because then you'll get this entire show. I mean, you'll be reminded. I think the other thing we haven't talked about are the podcasts. So if you miss a show or if a friend says you should have heard the show – you go on PT, WPTF.com, mm-hmm. and you can hit the button that says Hosts. You can find me, mm-hmm. and then it'll say Listen to an Old Show. And we've got every single show on there you can go back and listen to Excellent. at your convenience. A common drug may help prevent heart failure. Very common drug. Very well, common. I mean, based on the commercials. Commercials. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's the drug? Well, it's called Cialis or Tadalafil. And okay. what that is is a drug that was developed, the class was developed originally for heart problems. Mm-hmm. People with angina, where the blood is not flowing to the heart muscle, yeah. they wanted to create something that would dilate the arteries and get better blood flow to the muscle. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Okay. Yeah, so they gave this, it's called a phosphodiesterase inhibitor. It allows the, the arterial structure to dilate right. in response to... Uh, a hormone called, we've talked about it before, adrenaline. Didn't work. But nicely, they looked at side effects. Yeah. And some of the guys, you know, they did. They had dizziness, they had a headache, and they volunteered that their sexual function was better. Mm-hmm. And it was so much better in terms of the number of people, males obviously, although some females yeah. do use the medicine. We'll okay. talk about that later. But... Um, so they went and researched it, and it became a multi-billion-dollar industry. The first one to come out was Viagra, right? And it was, of course, the short-acting one. Uh, you had to take it half an hour before. Um, then they came out with Cialis uh, a couple generations down the line. It has a very long half-life, which means it stays in your body. The French call it le weekend. Le you week. take it on the Friday <laughs> for the weekend. Okay. All anyway, right. so. Drugs can be repurposed. And yeah. one of the things that's interesting, it's sort of a domino effect, didn't work for angina, worked for erectile dysfunction. Well, one of the things that people with erectile dysfunction found yeah. was that they could urinate more freely. And there is a condition in men where the prostate grows too large and, and, and constricts the flow of urine out from the bladder. Mm-hmm. Well, these people were having better a better time, not 
I don't know if you've seen those commercials for BPH. I haven't BPH. seen those. No, yeah, you must have. Where they, they're at a baseball game and they're missing the big play. Oh, they're play getting up and going. Because they're going yeah. up and going to the bathroom. Yeah. So they repurposed the medicine, and now it's probably the most effective medication for BPH, benign prostatic hypertrophy. Two things I want to know. Yeah. Number one, did you bring your prescription pad with you? No. You didn't. All right. N- never mind. Number two doesn't matter. The the. I'm wondering whether the insurance companies are going to buy this. When I say buy this, in terms of repurposing, literally meaning, yeah. will they go ahead and buy this for men? You mean the? Yeah, um, you can't the VA get, does because you can't get most insurance companies to buy Viagra right. or Cialis for the other thing. Right. Well, here's the good news about Viagra: it's gone generic. Okay. So, Right. Um, we can get you can get vi- generic sildenafil through uh-huh. GoodRx. Yeah, okay. For about thirty bucks. Mm. And we'll talk about GoodRx next time because I want to really, really get people to know about GoodRx. It's yeah. a system to save money. Okay. Anyway, so heart failure. Yes. The when the heart fails and it's uh-huh. not pumping well, right? It doesn't respond to adrenaline. Well, one of the things they knew about the class of drugs, including Viagra and Cialis is that the phosphodiesterase, which it inhibits, when you inhibit it, it allows adrenaline to work on the muscle. Mm-hmm. So now they've done all sorts of studies, and when they give Tadalafil or Cialis, it makes the heart pump stronger. And it helps those people with heart failure get rid of the excess fluid that the heart's not pumping out, Yes, breathe better, uh-huh. and so now we have a third repurpose of the medication. First... It, was for angina, didn't work. Right. Then for erectile dysfunction, did work. Mm-hmm. The, actually, it's the fourth repurpose. Then uh, for BPH, what did work, which did work. And now for heart failure. And I think it's going to be a fantastic addition to our armamentarium uh, as yeah. long as all the studies continue to work out as well as they have. But not only does it help the symptoms, but it's apparently helped when you look at an ultrasound of the heart and you can tell just how weak it is in heart failure. It's yeah. actually making the heart pump stronger. So that's a, a really good thing because very few of the medicines for heart failure actually make the heart work better in a, f- a manner that you can see mm-hmm. uh, through this test called the ultrasound. So yeah. a couple of things. Yeah, I took Cialis mainly for my BPH. I'm telling you how old I am. I'm 60. And it you, runs in my family. My you dad should had tell it. us what BPH is. Well, benign prosthetic hypertrophy. I'm okay. sorry. You, I'm glad you brought it up. No, I mean, because people so are going to assume the, prostate, the yeah, other thing. You yeah. Know. The prostate enlarges. It, yeah. It restricts the flow. Well, I took it. It was great. Yeah. You know, I was no longer missing the action at the baseball game in, in the bathroom. Right. I had to stop it. We talked about the sinuses and how they can become uh, clogged. Yes. It's a very good vasodilator. And so it vasodilated my sinuses to the point where I couldn't breathe. Oh, okay. And yeah. You couldn't. I mean, couldn't I could take not breathe breath. through my nose. Right. And at nighttime, if you want to get that deep, deep, refreshing sleep, right. you have to breathe through your nose. Right. And I couldn't do it. Right. So. Cialis. It is the donut of medicine. The donut. Yeah. Donuts. What can't they do, really? Oh. What can't they do? Seattle. Yeah. Donuts. 919-860. He's never watched The Simpsons. 
919 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. We're going to talk about measles. And if you are a grandpa or a grandma, why you want to stay here for the next few minutes. Right. News Radio 680 WPTF. Now, back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-890-9783. I just found out something very serious here during the break. I need a shot. Yes. Let's talk about measles. You Would like you shots? please, doctor? You like shots. I don't enjoy shots, no, but if I have to take one to keep everybody around me happy. I remember being so terrified. Yeah. I got a tetanus shot once, and my whole arm, like, just, I thought my arm was going to fall off. All right. It was awful. You're making me not want to have a shot, but I think I need one. Yeah. Uh, You just looked up, for my benefit, when, like, the actual year that the effective medicine for measles Measles. was delivered, the vaccine. So most people before 1957, if they were born before 57, got the measles. And right. it, it is it was a relatively benign illness. It's now roaring back. And the reason is the anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Um, you should now uh, vaccinate your child between 12 and 15 months with the MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. Right. And since the anti-vaxxers have uh, gotten to the point where they are convincing people, unfortunately, not to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, The measles outbreak is pretty severe, and there are very serious forms of measles. There's encephalitis, which means an infection in the brain, Mm -hmm. and it can cause long-term brain damage. It can even kill you. So one of the things they found out is that the first measles vaccine came out in 1963, Mm -hmm. and I can remember I was four, and I can remember that vaccine because my mother was telling me, you don't want mumps. And mumps yeah. are bad when you get these big swellings under your under your uh, um, jaw. And MMR, yeah. measles, mumps, and rubella. Rubella is German measles. Uh, I don't know what the difference is. Hopefully, there's a pediatrician who'll call up and tell us. Yeah. But anyway, the, it changed in 1967. They got a more effective vaccine. So they found now in this measles epidemic, because of the anti-vaxxers, um, people who were born in before 1967 were getting measles. Mm-hmm. So I got mine. I, I was born in 1959. I went out and got my MMR, called my doctor, and she was wonderful. She agreed, yeah. wrote me the prescription, and I got my MMR. So I think that anybody who is going to be around college-age kids or going to be around anti-vaxxers kids yeah. should consider getting the MMR if you were born before 1967. Okay, and I would do it. So I'm I mean, getting it a shot. Hurt you. I'm getting a You're shot. You're getting a shot. I get I get every year the flu shot. Yep. And uh, now the flu shot is the kind of thing where you know hit and miss, hit or maybe. miss. The re- and people want to know why. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. They have to guess a year ahead of time. Yeah. Which strain of flu is going to be around? So there's H and N. So H one N one. You've heard about that. That's the nasty one. I can't tell you what H means, and I can't tell you what N means. I'm not going to lie. But there's H2, N3, and they don't know which one it's going to be. So they have to grow these vaccines, at least they used to, in eggs. I think they still do. Mm -hmm. And they have to prepare the vaccine for the next year. And so this year was 90%, 80% effective. Good. Last year was only 30% effective. So last year was a nasty flu season. Okay. Measles. Is it 100% preventable? 
I think so. I, I, we haven't had this before. Um, measles was thought to be a, a, a illness that went by the wayside. And now that the anti-vaxxers are coming up and we have many, many more people. I mean, I don't know if you, the, the Hasidic Jewish community, they were, mm-hmm. they were like quarantined. Right. Their kids couldn't go to school because right. they weren't vaccinated. And, you know, people think, oh, my gosh. Well, if you get encephalitis measles, mm-hmm. you do not want to have that. I mean, it's just terrible. And when it's something called herd immunity, okay? People in New York City are in herds. They're in, in Groups, communities. sure. Groups. So when you give the polio vaccine, for example, if, if there's an anti-vaxxer who doesn't get their kid vaccinated, they can actually catch the vaccine because it's a detenuated live virus mm-hmm. from somebody else and become vaccinated. So there's something called herd immunity. And for a long time, we had herd immunity for a lot of different illnesses. And unfortunately, the measles is roaring back and, and rearing its ugly head. And you're protected if you've got the vaccine, unless you were born before 1967. Then there's about a 20% chance you could get it, and I would just get the vaccine again. I was this close, about an inch away from saying, you know, if you choose not to give your child the vaccination, you've basically chosen to give your child mumps or measles. And the whole point is that you would have the ability to, sure, if I'm going to make my kid sick, I'm going to make my kid sick. Right. But the problem is, is that not all vaccines are 100%. Right. And so when you have 99% of the population vaccinated, the illness is not going to be prevalent. But mm-hmm. if you have 20% or 10%, I don't know how much the anti-vaxxers have penetrated our population now. Mm-hmm. That is enough of a Petri dish uh, uh, among those individuals to let the vaccine rear its ugly head again and get to the people who, in whom the vaccine is not 100% effective. Right. And, and yeah. uh, that would be me. Right. Because I took it in probably 64 or right. 65. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're saying... Those born before 1967 should get another vaccine. Okay. Uh, here's yeah. what I'm going to say. Yeah. Ask your doctor sure. if yeah, you yeah. should get another vaccine. Now, there's another thing. When my daughter had my first grandkid two years ago, mm-hmm. something I didn't know, I learned from her, is that pertussis or whooping cough, that wasn't as effective as we thought. The DTaP vaccine diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. They all come together in three vaccines. Yeah. So you get your tetanus shot, et cetera. And so you needed to have that done every 10 years because it was one of those that didn't last. And I didn't get my tetanus. I mean, you know, usually you, you get hit by a rusty nail. You yeah. know, you cut yourself and you get a tetanus shot. Well, before I could see the baby, I got my DTAP, diphtheria, uh, tetanus, and pertussis to make sure that I didn't pass whooping cough onto this little tiny infant. Wow. And so that's another thing to be. Grandpas out there and grandmas out there, you may be asked by your millennial to get a DTaP or pertussis vaccine before they let you touch your first grandchild. Yeah. It's well worth it. A Dutch fertility doctor has done something 49 times that he he shouldn't have oh, done. No. Now, I mentioned the story oh, to my no, wife. I know about this. And my wife said, well, he probably did it more than 49. Right. Uh, he has fathered 49 children. And I think this is a really fascinating issue. My sister um, decided to have kids yeah. um, after her boyfriend told her 
they weren't having any kids. Right. Though she didn't get a boyfriend, she went and got artificial insemination or IVF. Yeah. And the interesting thing was that she went and they gave her a book. And this book had the donors, the sperm donors. Yeah. And she could see everything but their picture. In fact, some of them even had cassette tapes of their voices. Oh, my gosh. And you could, I mean, if you, and this is the great thing. If she paid extra, yeah. she could see their SAT scores. I'm not yeah. kidding. I am yeah. not kidding. So when you go into these programs, you are thinking that you're sort of selecting a mate. Well, what happened was is that, and this is not the only guy. This has happened in the U.S. as well. Yeah, is that these fertility doctors decide, um, hey, it's time for me to have forty nine kids, and they substitute their own um, sample. Yeah. yeah. Well, this guy, when he got caught, basically a woman decided she was going to do twenty three and Me and find out right. her genetic background, and right. she wanted to meet her 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 supposed donor. And they unmasked it, and it turns out this donor's DNA had nothing to do with her DNA. Oh, and they tracked it back to this guy. Now, what he claimed was is that he would only add a little bit if he felt the other guy oh, wasn't yeah. as powerful. Yeah, yeah, people do that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we're back next week at 4 o'clock. That is Saturdays at 4, this radio program, Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefald. WPTF. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.